the election. Uh, if I could find whatever I've written down. I can't be bothered keeping the pages quiet. Toby Manhart has been uh, covering the election. He's editor at large for the uh, spin-off. And in the week since the election, it has become clear that Labour's share of the party vote is more than halved. National did so well in the elections and the electorate that only a handful of list candidates are in. Greens might have a record caucus, maybe 15. New Zealand First is back. National will need Act and New Zealand First to form a government. Special votes will not be known until November the 3rd. Toby Manhire has been lying down for a week and now he's back. <laughs> you must have thought you were going to make it all the way through to the end of this cursed election without talking about it, but here it is, right here at the is. end of the show. I know. Um, did you enjoy it? I love elections, so in part, but it was also quite uh, teeth-grindingly difficult to enjoy, much as I tried. There were parts of it, I think, that were... Because you're a lefty, you mean? No, um, because it was a relatively low-vision, short-termist sort of affair. Um, right. Because... You know, there wasn't much... There was an interesting bit where Rory Stewart, um, you know, Rory Stewart and Alistair Campbell do that podcast yeah. together, and they interviewed Chris Hipkins. And Rory Stewart... I didn't know did, that. Rory Stewart did this bit at the start. He said, you know, I'm, I, I have to say, I've been looking at their, you know, the bit at the election, and seemed, I've never seen sort of like an election from 30 years ago. You know, he sort, of, he sort of said, and I think he's right, that where are the big conversations about the challenges that are coming ahead? And that stuff can sound awfully mm. kind of waffly. But there wasn't really, and I think that was by design in part because there was a there was a view. You mean the big challenges like climate change? Big challenges like climate change, or, or or population, or just a whole range of different things, or even just about what kind of country New Zealand looks like in twenty or thirty years. You know, I mean, certainly with adaptation. I, I mean, at the well, it'll at be the, great. Christopher Luxon says it's going to be great. Well, yeah, he says it's the best planet on. It's the best best country on planet. Best, Earth, best country on planet. What but, kind of vision but, do you but, want? But do you remember, you know, when the cyclone hit? And I, I mean, I wrote a piece where I said, you know, this is clearly going to be a major issue that, that that pervades all the conversations going into the election. I was totally wrong. I mean, there were some parts of the country where it loomed large, but for the most part, the conversations were, and it was set down by Chris Hipkins, you know, bread and butter at the start of the year. That's what we want to talk about. We're not going to talk about much, very, very much more than that at all. Mm. And National Party, meanwhile, were running a small target strategy, that is to say, why would they create vulnerabilities beyond the sort of focusing on those small issues too, and so you had you had a bit more from the from the from the, from from ACT from the Greens and from Party Māori, but for the most part those two big machines just had what I thought was a relatively sort of narrow field of vision, I guess. Mm. I mean, astonishing fall in the vote for Labour, and you can attribute that to a lot of things. And COVID, Jacinda Ardern was a unicorn, and then she mm. wasn't. You know, I mean, Chris Hipkins had a lot to cope with. I think he can reasonably feel that he's one of the uh, most luckless, least lucky <laughs> um, prime ministers or leaders going into a campaign. All of those things you talked about, the economic wins globally 
being pretty painful, uh, losing, was it five ministers, I think, over the course? And he couldn't really be blamed for much of that. Some of it may be, but, you know, the seeds of those were planted well ahead of him taking over as prime minister. So, what yeah, I couldn't understand, was, I mean, it wasn't an understanding. Well, yeah, I was thinking about this when I was talking to Paul Lynch early this morning about hmm. when do you get in the boat? When do you leave? History is made from people, you know, not leaving soon enough. Yeah. Why were you thinking about that, Kim? Is there anything to do with your own time in this, on no. this show? <laughs> well, well, were you not? Were you not? I mean, no. you want to go out on top, don't you? I was you? not thinking that. Well, come on. I was thinking... Maybe not in the, the con- your conscious mind you might I was thinking about not. Oh, God, I'd need to lie down on the therapist's couch for that one. But I was thinking about Chris Hipkins, right? Uh, uh. And the polls were lousy. They obviously weren't going to win. Why... Why would he not have said, to hell with it, we're going to have a wealth tax. Mm. We're going to be what a lot of Labour supporters want us to be. Instead of denying a lot of his caucus's wishes and not differentiating Labour very much at all. What have we got? GST on fruit and vegetables Mm. off. Give me a break. Do you know what I mean? I mean, when, I think, I think, I think that, they've got in the boat. Well, I think that's the kind of politician that Chris Hipkins is. I think he's always been relatively measured. I mean, I, I was, I first encountered him when I was the editor of Salient Magazine at Victoria University about a million years ago, and he was uh, a, 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 a fresher, a new student, came and did a bit of work at Salient, and then worked his way up through student politics. I bet he looked to, exactly to the, the same. He looked exactly the same. Huh? He had a ponytail. Oh, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> many, many of us have similar similar cases to be, crosses to bear. Um, and he, he at that time even was pretty pragmatic because I went back through, as you do, through the old issues to try and find the, the things he'd said in that kind of radical student politician mode that could then be put to him now and he would therefore be kind of have to answer for those. Not, not none, none really. Mm. So he's always been, I think, a, a, a reasonably measured sort of, I mean, cl- cl- clearly on the left, but centre left. So I don't think that that was his. I don't think that was his instinct for one. But also, you could say if those things were going to happen, those things you talk about, the sort of a more radical reform, they happen when you get uh, the first single party majority in <laughs> an MMP, right? Mm-hmm. And so they had that 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 first thing that unicorn you talk about, a, a single party majority in parliament. And I think what a lot of people are asking is. What was done with that mandate? Yeah. Um, To Party Māori, of course, they're particularly well. Um, They're probably... And they've caused, I think, an overhang. So I think Mm. we're going to have 121 MPs. Maybe more. Maybe more. Can you explain that? Yeah, because they got more electorates than their proportion of the House would, would have provided them with, which means that you still get to keep the electorate seats, but you don't... You don't the, the house doesn't contract as a result. So we've got 121 based on specials. There's the other weird factor of this by-election in Port Waikato, which under some strange arcane rules means we'll we'll add a further one. So at this stage we're looking at 122 seats, but there are also two constituencies in which Te Party Māori are about 500 away, both Te Taitokoro and Tamaki Makoto. And ugh, if you look at the specials in the last couple of elections that could tip them over which would which would be bad news for Kelvin Davis and Penny Hannity but it could mean that you could conceivably get as many as six Te Party Māori 
MPs and an overhang of two or even three. And then we just, you know, so many seats in Parliament. We could have a 124-seat mm. Parliament. I mean, it all makes for an interesting mix in Parliament, but essentially you're going to have National with Act with New Zealand first. How do you think that's going to pan out? Yeah, it's fascinating at the moment um, because we're in that sort of weird hiatus period and um, a lot of us continue. So the energy is still there. It's like it's like the and the press gallery is still pedaling furiously, but the, the chains come off the bike. You know, there's not really anything there except standing outside glass doors or at the bottom of Being lift told shafts. To. F off or get out of my way. (laughs) Charmless. But clearly they're now in that sort of, I thought it was interesting listening to Christopher Luxon, who has a corporate background, talking about his mergers and acquisitions experience would come to bear in this process. And he wants to do chemistry. And I'm thinking at the moment about um, uh, the the different sort of theatre sports or improv or, uh, you know, outward bound style activities that he could do with David Seymour and Winston Peters. So they're all on the same page. But yeah, clearly the groundwork is being laid now. Pending specials, which come in and still like a week and a half or something, November the 3rd, I think. Um, still pending those specials, which could change the calculus and what's required. It looks like the likelihood is that whether, whether National needs New Zealand First support to get that majority, the, if they didn't, their majority would be so thin that they'd kind of be foolish not to have some kind of arrangement so that there was a backstop or an insurance policy. Mm. And, you know, I mean, you remember Gaurav Sharma, he's since election night been tweeting out all this really quite funny, um, very snarky, uh, bitter material about um, Labour, Labour's um, bad night. And he sort of stands as an example of what can happen and what has happened through many parliaments past, that you lose an MP for one reason or another, you might lose a second and make a fight today. So having a one or two seat majority is probably not a safe way to proceed. No. So when people are calling Winston Peters the kingmaker, are they right? I mean, uh, I don't know. Maybe, you maybe can call kind David of. Seymour it's a different. In the, I mean, he doesn't, you know, whether he holds the balance of power, it's different to other elections because he ruled out Labour so early in the piece. You know, that was different. And people will say, oh, well, you know, he's gone back on his word in the past, and that's some truth in that. But he's not a kingmaker in the extent that, that you know, standing around with the crown, offering it to various people, which gives him a bit more leverage. But, but, Conceivably, depending on how specials land, he could be the kingmaker, and that will be made, that, you know that means that he's he's hanging on a bit too. Because if it turns out that Christopher Luxon cannot form a government without him, suddenly his leverage, his his his, his power increases massively. I was listening to your episode of Gone by Lunchtime, your podcast, mm. and I think it was on there that Ben Thomas was very confident that the referendum on the treaty acts bottom line, we are told, is not going to happen. Why do you think he was so confident? Do you share that? I I do, really. Um, Although... I mean, it's Seymour bottom seems line. to be more tenacious about it than, than I'd imagine. I remember doing an um, interview with a group of Herald journalists um, back in, I think it was 2014, when John Key, we asked John Key about whether or not National Party policy to remove the Māori seats, which it was then, I'm not sure mm. what it still is now, whether that, would, whether that would be an act. And he sort of laughed it off and said, no, no way, we wouldn't do that. There'd be hikoi's from hell, he said. You know, and, and, and that's just the start of it, right? So the, the, this idea of a referendum that defines in 
if you look at the question, it's kind of amazing. It doesn't. It sort of redefines the uh, the core principles of the treaty without using the word Maori or iwi or let alone like a or anything or any of that. It's kind of amazing. I think it would. Um, I think it would create. You've, you've heard James Shaw um, and John Tamihere talking about how it could create civil unrest. I think it would. I think it could. I think it's a dangerous place to go. I don't think Christopher. I don't Luxon, think there's any question. I don't think Christopher Luxon wants to go anywhere near that. No. I think it could. It's the kind of thing that could end up defining your term and defining and derailing. You know? Yeah. You know that would be the only thing. That would be on the table. So much. And so then the question is, I imagine this is something they're talking about now, trying to work around, is how do you offer the ACT Party something? Because clearly they feel enough of their support comes from a group of people who feel strongly about these issues. Do you do something on co-governance that is... That, that sort of sort of puts a, a stake in the ground so clearly that you can say, yes, you got your thing that, 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 that you demanded? Mm. Um, Helen Wood. Helen White, what's her name? Helen White. What's what's your oh, name? It's very Amelia? disrespectful of you, Kim. I know. To get her name wrong. But honestly, <laughs> did she think about what she said? She had Jacinda Ardern. Helen White holds Mount Albert by 106 votes, Labour MP. And she, Linda, Jacinda Ardern's majority was over 21,200. Mm in 2020 but Helen White told us that she'd done really really well mm. now is that was she not thinking was she panicking I mean she will be defined by that statement for the rest of her career if indeed she holds on to the electorate well, you have to feel some sympathy for her because until then she was defined by uh, losing to Chloe Swarbrick, having, you know, over the course of the campaign and in 2020 said that Chloe Swarbrick was, you know, splitting the vote on the left and should really stand aside. It's, I, I mean, I, it's hubris, really, isn't it? That's what it is. It's hubris. And it's this, I mean, maybe she did do quite well to, to, to win it. And um, it is true that that seat, Mount Albert, has in the party vote gone quite blue in previous elections too um, so it may not have seemed as straightforward as it was but yeah I think probably uh, people are looking for a little bit a little bit more humility at this this point <laughs> maybe it was too soon I mean you know Labour they've been upset you know they're all a bit upset yeah yeah I mean the difference I guess in a way and I, I was talking to uh Andrea Vance, who wrote the book Blue Blood, about, um, you know... Lessons the, the, to be learned. The, yes. And she made the point, which I think is a good one, is that a key difference this time is that really most people in that Labour caucus are unsurprised with where they are now. The writing had been on the wall for some time. Do you think that they really thought that it was going to be that bad, though? Uh, may maybe not so bad, but mm. I don't think that they were really seriously preparing for government, you know. And um, whereas when, when, when that happened to, when after the defeat in 2017 for the National Party, there was a lot of, oh, well, this is really just a pause in normal service. We didn't really lose. And indeed, they did win. They did win the plurality. They won, you know, National Party won more votes than anyone else. Many, many sort of refused to accept that they'd lost the election, you know, yeah. and you can make an argument that the National Party didn't lose the election. But that kind of, that that sort of contorted disbelief was part of what led to the, you know, the, 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 the bloodletting, the disembowelment, all that. 
Um, I think that your Gone By Lunchtime team um, mm. concluded that Christopher Luxon, despite his inexperience, and he's a very inexperienced politician, did a surprisingly good campaign. He might have struggled to think on his feet and let go of his repeated talking points. But he, he did a good campaign. The question is whether he's going to loosen up as Prime Minister, I suppose. What I would say to you, Kim, as he'd say, is he did have a very good he <laughs> let did me have a very good campaign. He did a very good it's a rock solid. He I mean he he I think came across Prime Ministerially quite a bit and weirdly in a way that Chris Hipkins quite came across quite leader of the opposition-y mm. through the campaign this weird kind of weird, weird sort of flip um, he will now be surrounded by advisors briefings experts um, and probably his experience in, in the corporate world means that he will know how to deal with that you know like it's a, it's 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 the it's one of the cliches is that you know being leader of the opposition is the the hardest job in politics and mm. it is a relatively small crew especially when you compare it to all the resources that are at your disposal in the prime minister's office and then around that the other systems of government so you know i think he can i think he'll probably go into it reasonably confidently i wonder how whether it emerged in the vote at all but i can't tell you the number of staunch labor supporters who said to mm. me we want winston Mm. To have to go, we want Luxon to need Winston Peters because Winston Peters is going to stop Luxon and act doing the right wing things that they want to do. Mm. And in other words, they would prepare to see three years of chaos rather than have a government that does what it promised to do. That didn't make democratic sense to me. I suppose the Winston Peters has used in the past the metaphor of the handbrake. Oh, he's always been a good you know, excuse for not doing things. So if you want, I mean, you could make the case that, yes, you wanted to see Winston Peters in there so that the, you know, it's it, as other people have said, it's a more right-wing coalition national act than we've seen in MMP on paper. In terms I just of the, think if, you, the, if people get voted to be government, yes. they need to they need to have to do the things they promised to do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Otherwise, you don't get to find out what they're about yes i mean the nature of mmp is that sometimes you never know what you're going to what part of what they've promised you're going to get with the smaller parties and that's the weird thing about this process now i think it sort of struck me that in the past it's been possible for the most part for the leading party of government in a negotiation to say oh well yes you can have this thing whether it's a provincial growth fund or a new ministry or whatever or a bauble you know an office a a, this this time with act who are really quite determined and have been for some time david Zemmour has been very clear that he is not going to be a poodle in these negotiations but what they're asking for a lot is take things away so it's not just add a thing on and do it kind of, uh, you know, do it reluctantly. It's like, actually, we want you to kill this fund. We want you to remove this ministry. We want the this commission gone. And those, in a way, are harder harder things to do, I think. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I just A point that was made in your uh, Gone by Lunchtime podcast, do you think that James Shaw is going to want to stay on as leader, co-elite leader of the Greens? Because he was climate change minister. That's a position that he was born to be. I'd be surprised if he was here at the next election. I don't know. But I think what he said is he wants to be here in the, in the, in the immediate so that he can, you know, uh, induct the newbies. They've got quite a few newbies there. Um, mm. But, but uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if he was around a year from now. Who deserves the biggest prize? Give a, a 
one prize for you've got 10 seconds oh okay well the youngsters coming in the the, the young woman uh, brooke van velden hannah mypey clark um and Tamitha paul who all won electorates and that's that's new generation that's good let's Thanks, go with that toby toby manhire editor at large at the spin-off